nasty little rabbitses. Calm, calm, calm. Nasty rabbitses to tricks us. Calm, calm. I can't do this fall to hurt my throat, but I can be a, I can be. Smeagol, Francis. Why would you betray us, master? No, no, he wouldn't. Oh, but he has. Did you see him? Nasty opposites. You're listening to the already cancelled podcast. I got a bad feeling about this. We have some bad hombres here and we're gonna get them out. Slap some bacon on a biscuit and let's go! Let's put a smile on that face. These allegations are false. Watch your profanity. Do I look like I know what a JPEG is? What is up, Bilbo Bagginses? And welcome to the Already Cancelled Podcast. Where we rant about social issues from our Christian perspective. And look deep at life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. My name is Nathan. My name is John. And welcome to the Already Cancelled Podcast. <laughs> it's been a little while. <laughs> yes, uh, it has. We've been gone a little bit. But first of all, before anything else, I'd like to say, Nathan, happy Pride Month. Yeah, if you didn't get the idea already, everybody's shoving it down your throats. But we are so proud to be straight. Yes, we are. Um... And, and uh, well, we joke um, about and it. I'm cisgendered, excuse me. Oh, my goodness. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> cisgendered means uh, you you are the gender, or you identify as the gender that you were born as. Oh. Or whatever. Uh, so, s- straight. Straight. Yeah. Why do we have to have a term that makes no sense for everything? <laughs> just um, call it what it is. <laughs> welcome to the new English language, yeah. where all uh, the words are made up and the definitions don't matter anyway. Oh, well, yeah. Urban Dictionary, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Except Urban Dictionary is at least entertaining. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh yeah, uh, that's about all we're going to say on Pride Month, I think. Yeah, it's um, already been shoved down our throats enough. We're just going to leave it uh, at that. Actually... Let's, let's oh, that's a terrible one. <laughs> <laughs> let's note one thing real quick. How uh, all these American companies that are changing all of their logos to have um, you know rainbow flags on them to celebrate Pride Month. Uh, if you look at their Middle Eastern accounts, yeah, <clears throat> um, the, their Middle Eastern accounts say nothing about that because a- they realize that the culture there would not accept that and would boycott them. And AKA so, BMW and like others, Audi and others, Nike. Yeah. So. What that shows you is they don't actually care about you and your little Pride Month. They actually are just trying to cater to an audience that they think will appreciate them more for that. But when they look at you know the Middle East and a culture there that absolutely would not tolerate that, then oh, suddenly that's not part of their brand. Yeah, they don't. It seems they to be more don't care. Yeah, it's more based on money, I think. Whoa, and maybe appearance socially oh. than it is matters about. How they really feel. How now, dare you? Yeah, yeah. Now, some of their corporate leaders in America might get all excited about it, but reality, the 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 headquarters, the company, they they just cater to the audience they want to, and they don't care. So, with that being said, Happy Pride Month! Yeah, woo. yay! And unfortunately, within Pride Month, there is one day dedicated versus the whole month to those who have sacrificed their lives for our country. And that is Memorial Day, which is in March, yeah, but May. May, May but yeah. it's just a day. Just, you know, so yeah. It's right at the end of May. So, uh, so that also ties us into a quick explanation of where we've been for the past couple weeks. Uh, just real quick, um, Nathan and I got a chance to go down to the great state of Texas yep. for a little bit of a vacation. Uh, on that vacation, we were there for Memorial Day. 
and we'll dive into a discussion about that uh, quickly. But then we came back. Life has been busy. Nathan, you got a new job. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so said goodbye to the old one and, and hello to the new one. Been it's been a chaotic couple of adios weeks. Adios and hola. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we've been a little busy, but we're back, hoping to uh, get back on a more regular schedule again. Yeah. With these podcasts, but. Um, yes, Memorial Day. Everyone needs a vacation. Everybody right, so. needs a vacation. Absolutely. Amen. Second that. Yes. But yes, Memorial Day. Um, we actually, while we were in Texas, we got to go to the National Cemetery in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a um, cemetery for those who have died either actively in service um, or who or have been a veteran of the armed forces. And one of their loved ones can be buried with them. So yeah, so be we, wife or son or we got to, it was a bit of a drive. Uh, and a lot of people would look at us and say, why the heck are you going to a cemetery? Um, but we, we thought it would be impactful for us to spend Memorial Day getting to see, you know, the graves of those who have served our nation. And that's really what Memorial Day is about, um, is being able to reflect on um, and honor and remember those. And so what better way to remember and honor than to go and pay homage to them? Now, we understand that, you know, uh, those of whom there who knew the Lord aren't there. They're not there. You know, and... Those who it, didn't, I mean, they're not there either. Unfortunately, yeah, well, they didn't we, go to the yeah, heaven we, we portion. Realize, but we yeah. realize that... Their we, physical, their their soul is no longer there, but they are... The history that they could tell and the... And I think it also puts things into perspective to understand that why we do what we do on a daily basis and why it matters. Why having a work ethic, why trying to build this country, why um, standing up for what's right matters. It's not necessarily just you that it matters. Look at the generation past, past generations who have fought and died in in the name of freedom for this country, mm-hmm. whether or not necessarily for the right reasons, but who went and fought and died for freedom. And um, many people across the globe will be very grateful for it because of our call and our response to that call. But how we need to understand that while in this mayhem of social justice movements and and just redefining everything, you know, like, like John mentioned, there is a truth and it is worth fighting for. And that is the only thing that will preserve us. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean government's the truth. We're saying truth as in scripture first, morality yeah. and and serving government for the right reasons, okay? And so but there's something there's something impactful about going to in this case a national cemetery and especially for Memorial Day seeing just all of these flags everywhere and knowing that underneath each of those flags is someone who wholeheartedly believed in, you know, the values of America and the values of freedom and truth and liberty and they fought for that and seeing the countless thousands you know of of flags and tombstones and graves and markers there you know just there's a there's a gravity to it and it helps you realize freedom is not free and the price that has been paid we don't want that to go to waste. And so it's it's an inspiration to us to continue in the fight to stand up for truth, whether that is, you know, if we in the future find ourselves called to the armed forces or to continue the, the, the fight here on the home front for truth. Um, well, and, and we see truth being manipulated, everything being manipulated right now 
to fit a narrative, whether right or wrong. And unfortunately, it's leading to distrust. And and our whole purpose for this podcast and, and our personal lives is to always try, and we're not perfect, to display that truth um, and, and be willing to listen to differing opinions. And we, we appreciate it. I mean, uh, we have some articles sent to us that we've got to review over something we said, and we're, we're going to you yeah. know maybe comment and address those in a, in a future podcast. But that's what we're willing to listen to and have that discussion. The moment we're not willing to listen to each other in... Um, we're, we're no better than the left. Right. And we will crumble as a country. Will, the moment yeah. we quit listening to the other side and actually taking the time to digest what they're saying versus just say, oh, you're terrible, is the moment we will see a critical failure. And unfortunately, we're not far. We're not far, yeah. I don't so know what, we, how we, far means, but... We, we, have a, we as a culture have lost the ability to listen to contradictory viewpoints in a civil manner and be able to hold a discussion about it. And so that's 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 very important, not only to the American lifestyle, but to being a human in general is being able to, you know, accept, you know, that we're not always going to agree and still get along. And it, and it even ties into our, our next topic of how is this country once geared toward building the individual to live the American dream? to now it's build the capital mm. for the select few. And I understand that businesses hire in a lot of people and employ a lot of people, and it gives people uh, opportunities that we would never have in other places around the globe. Uh, but there is a form in this country of evil, if you will, corporate greed, whatever you want to call it, where the wealth of the few at the expense of the many is more in line with Unfortunately, the future. Yeah, and I mean, and, and that's what they want. These uh, bureaucracies, governments, these big corporations, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying all of them, but there is a degree of that. And we're, when John's going to address something to that, yeah. So before before that, I just want to say that I mean, it all goes back to you know what Scripture says, not that money is the root of all evil but the love of money is the root of all evil and yeah. i think we really see that coming to play here um so what nathan was alluding to uh, i came across an article uh, this was from the wall street journal it was actually somebody made a thread about the article on twitter and we can dive into that a little bit um but what the article was saying uh they named specifically a company called blackrock which is an investment firm um that is actually backed by the Fed, the U.S. Federal um, Reserve or whatnot, but in many ways and a lot of but lot of but BlackRock's not the only company doing this. Yeah, but there are more and more companies that are now trying to buy out property and houses. I Man, even foreign investment. So foreign, it can yeah. be from China, it can be from Europe, Japan, and so many States. of the, many of these companies are going in and buying not just single houses. Some of them are, in fact, buying entire neighborhoods, entire you know subdivisions from um, contractors make them at 20 to 40% above market value for those homes. So would that, if it's for an individual, that makes it really hard for, you know, mom and pop who, you know, they're 
their kids are all out of college now and so they're looking to downsize it makes it really hard for them to say no when they're going to get you know 25% above market value for their house when they're looking to sell which on the flip side then makes it hard for young families like Nathan and his wife to be able to go buy a house because suddenly there's no houses for sale because all these big corporations these investment firms that are it's kind of weird. Especially if you're backed but it's by hard the federal f- government. But it's hard for them, the, you know, young couples to be able to go buy a house because there's none for sale anymore because they're being bought up by big corporations. Or they are for sale, but the price of, of the house is just through the roof out of price range. You know, I we I looked at homes a while back and, you know, I, I currently live in a home, but it's not mine. Um, but it, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. The, the price tag is just unreal. It, it, it's With the inflation we're seeing right now, which is a whole, totally another issue, yeah. um, it's not just keeping pace with inflation. It's being blown way out of proportion. And unfortunately, I, I mean, I don't know how we're going to afford a home. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea. And I hate that because... Used to be back in my grandparents' day, they could buy. They bought their home, I think, for like twenty thousand dollars and assembled it. Mm-hmm. It was a prefab. You could buy not a trailer, not not a double wide, yeah. but it was a. You buy it in a catalog. They ship the walls to you. You put it together and put your roof on, and the inside you yeah. could design it or pick five different designs or something, and then you design it inside, paint, right, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you want? Twenty thousand dollars. That's or even if it was fifty, let's say twenty thousand, you can't buy a home for fifty thousand dollars unless it is a shack in Louisiana on a river in the swamp. The, I mean, I'm sorry, you're gonna buy an RV. The I mean, average price of a car right now, the average price of the car driving on the road right now is, I think, like forty five thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean that's most new. You can buy a used, but but the av- the average price of all of the vehicles on the road right now. It, that's insane. I've not heard that, but that's so. That's what high. so? What are these companies doing with all these investment properties? Well, they're turning around, and some of them or many of them are looking to rent those out permanently. They're not going to resell them. They want to rent them permanently to you know single family, single families and whatnot. So Which, basically, on the you don't hand, own a fo- you can't own a home, so own you have to rent. Hmm. And who controls the rent? The company. And the company, in in the case of BlackRock, is partially funded by... The Fed. And what does that sound like? Hmm. If you if you know your history, okay, Let's there were think, people think, in shiny metal suits... Think back about five, five six hundred years. Yeah, I mean, shiny metal suits, and they were going off on crusades. And they and were in big, big tall... You know, stone, stone buildings. buildings, and then yeah. there was a lot of a lot of houses that they owned, but they allowed the people to live in. Yeah, um, as long as you paid your dues. You, yeah, and they'd come by and shake you down for some more more money, or they'd evict you. And and they were, there were classes, right? Yeah. A caste system, if a you will. A feudal system. Yeah, yeah, right. Feudal system. Hmm. hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Medieval times. Hmm. Serfs, maybe. I'm not saying that's exactly where it's going to go, but it's that's it, definitely. It's, it, and There's I, a concern for And it. I actually have first-hand experience of someone selling their home to a place like this, and they really didn't care if it was above a certain price. I mean, outside of market value, you know, they, they just bought it. They, they really didn't care. The other problem with this is 
I mean, it was even, a nice place, if, but... Whether they're buying up the entire neighborhood or they buy one house in the neighborhood and then rent it out, when it's a company that is the renter or the landlord, they really don't care that much. And so what tends to happen is it's pretty run down and it drives the value of the rest of the neighborhood down. Well, and it destroys communities because communities are built by the people that live in them. Yeah. And if you don't own a piece of your community, if you don't have invested interest in your community, it is a proven fact that people are harder on rental cars than they are on their own. Okay. Yeah. I mean, have you ever driven a rental car? Some of them, it's like the bottom's going to fall out and they're new. Um, but I'm just saying, the same goes with homes. If you rent your home, typically you're not going to have as much invested interest in maintaining the home's beauty and, and, and structure and a, you know, a neighborhood as you would if you owned it. Now, that's not always true, okay? just like everything in life, but it, uh, on average it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so it's unfortunately could lead toward long-term problems. And it kind of also mirrors the idea of extremely low interest rates and everyone buying homes in 2008 blowing up in their faces, which is an artificial housing market crash. Now, in this case, it's businesses, not individuals. Yeah. But there is kind of a mirror there. There is. Now, I found this interesting. When I first found this article, um, I hadn't heard of BlackRock before. I'd heard of them. They're not very good. So I went and I did a little bit of research. Now, this video was from like... 2014 or something. I forget when it was. It was not recent. But it's called BlackRock, the company that owns the world. And I, it's been a couple weeks since I watched it. I guess a week and a half since I watched it. So I don't recall everything that was in the video. But they were explaining, they were explaining, you know, all of the stuff that BlackRock does and how, how they work. And it's, it's very interesting. And what you start to see through this is we're just creating more monopolies. Yeah, I thought we passed anti-monopoly laws, and yet our federal government's so scared of Facebook and Twitter and some of these other companies, Apple, Google, especially Google. See and, our uh, and, the problem of social media episodes? Yeah, right. And, and, and these businesses, yeah, because they've got their pockets so deep in all of them, <clears throat> politicians, that uh, they just kind of say, yeah, we got monopoly laws, and we're going to enforce them, and then they do nothing. Yeah. I, I, I am by that we are we as the little guy are screwed yeah by these companies and these businesses and the government because they don't care and i know this is a blanket statement i know it's not universally true but on average they do not care about you they care about their pocket the argument that i found going going through one of the threads you know talking about this on twitter uh, because it was very interesting one person that I saw, like, first talking about this, mentioned something, and then um, Ben Shapiro, if anybody knows that, Ben Shapiro was actually in support of BlackRock. Um, I don't know if he's changed his position, but then there were people arguing about that. One of the arguments that I saw made was, you know, should my parents, you know, leave, you know, 20% cash on the table? They have this opportunity to, you know, walk away with all this extra money that will really help them in their retirement. That's a great thing. You know, Nathan, um... I would I would love for that to happen for for every parent and whatnot. However, you also have to think about what the implications are on the other side. It's not just about your parents, because yes, your parents should be able to have what you know as good of a retirement as they can. Especially if they've invested in that home and taken care of it, you know you should deserve some reward, right? But 
also you have to think about the generations to come that will not have the opportunity to buy, invest, and sell a home. And so, unfortunately, the argument that I came down to, Nathan, you can tell me if this is right or wrong. You can either argue that they have every every right to take the money to, you know, be, you know, have their own self-interests first, which is perfectly fine. But if you want to take that argument with me, you can't get all high and mighty and preachy to me about, oh, climate change and we have to save the globe and, oh, don't use straws and, you know, oh, we need to recycle and blah, blah, blah. You can't get all preachy to me on that if your number one goal for your parents is their own self-interest. Now, instead, if you do want to get preachy with me, then you can't be looking at your own self-interests in regards to the house and making, you know, the extra money. But instead... You need to be looking at the interests for future generations. We recycle. We don't use straws, whatever. Um, not that that's something I care about. Um, the straws one gets me. The straws is weird. But if we're looking for the interests of others, then maybe we do leave the cash on the table because we know that by selling our house, it's going to make a ripple effect towards future generations that will negatively impact them. Yeah, I think I... Think I, I like 75% agree. Okay. I think there's some degree where you could say recycling is take and this is my my perspective. Taking care of the environment around you. It's it's doing what you're called to do oh, in absolutely. scripture of of maintaining the earth and everything that is and in I, it. Right? I'm not saying no, anything against no, 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 recycling no, I, or whatnot. I'm just But you're talking the, to to the crowd the, that goes bonkers with Yeah. It. So if you're going to get preachy with me about, you know, one subject then I'm going to turn that around on you and say you shouldn't then have your own self-interest and want to take the money. Uh, right. There's, and I, there's you a know, hypocrisy there. There's a, I think if you start looking into the green movement as a whole, there's a whole lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. And, and it, unfortunately, it tarnishes those who actually do want to make a change for the better yeah. um, and do the right things and makes them all look like fools. But, you know, I, I agree. I, I do agree with you. I think, unfortunately, there are some who, you know, tout that, toot their little, little horn, but yet don't draw the attention to the real issues of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they always talk about income disparity. They talk about equal housing. They talk about Black Lives Matter. Right. And, and, and they yet seem to forget the struggles of the everyday middle class, what we are seeing in this country, and it's been going on for decades, is the shrinking of the middle class. It's yeah. a it's a working class, not a middle class. Uh, now that can be argued one way or another, right? It's kind of a vague term. But the what it's doing, though, is strapping the middle class to st- be stuck. Now, America still is a land of opportunity. There's more opportunities here than anywhere else in the world. Period. Right? Explanation point. Yes. But what we are seeing, though, and, and this has happened, uh, rinse and repeat, in this country for decades, if you look at the Andrew Carnegie's of the world, if you look at the Rockefellers of the world and the monopolizing that they did, you're going to see the exact same problems. And what happens is their monopolies start to crack. If free market... Uh, within reason capitalist kind of economy which is sort of what we are mm. um, we're not totally capitalist even though we say we are um, 
takes place, eventually monopolies crumble by their own weight. They do things that they don't foresee. Uh, and back in those days of the Carnegies, there were you know labor riots, and then they or marches or protests, and then they were mowed down. Well, let's just say the public didn't take too kindly to no. that, and so it eventually snowballed, and their kingdoms came to an end. Um, but they built America. You could argue there was some good to that. It's hard to completely say the self-interest of BlackRock and those who have money invested in them is evil, purely. Yeah. Okay, because there's someone making money off of an investment, and they're agreeing with that investment. It's not inherently bad that they buy a home. No. But as a market force, when they start buying enough homes over market value that it drives everything up and less and less people are able to afford their own home, it changes the standard of living. And there's a there's a bubble starting to grow like there was in 2008. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you get that hypocrisy of I'm so, you know, oh, go green, go green. You have to do this, have to do this. Look out for future generations. Look out for future generations. And yet they just completely put that on the back burner and say, oh, well, I forgot to turn the burner on. It's not even simmering. Like they don't even bring it up. You, you have to look at things in a fair way. There is a problem yeah. with a federally backed, at least partially, company or companies or foreign companies coming in doing this to the housing market. The federal government, unfortunately, regulates so much that it basically regulates every single portion of our lives if you actually dig into it. Yeah. Why, why would you allow another 08? Why, why would you let that take place? Why would you say... That's okay. Now, I'm not a fan of big government. Don't get me wrong. But at what point do you say, mm, yeah, this is becoming a monopolizing situation and we need to somehow curb it? And you know what? I don't know who. I don't know if that falls in the state's you rights know, you or You know what, how they should fix this? Trump needs to come out and say that he's in support of BlackRock. He's in support of these businesses doing this. <laughs> and he's in support of yeah. the monopolies that Twitter and Facebook and Google have. And by Jove, the media will be like, they would, oh, they no, would, they're horrible. <laughs> they would flip on a dime so fast. That would be so Oh, you'd funny. see legislatures creating legislation right and left. Ideas would change so fast. Our heads couldn't spin. Ugh, your that heads would, would spin. It's just, oh, yeah, yeah. but no, I'm, I mean, there's no common solution or right or wrong solution. It's just a, it's a dilemma that we are firsthand seeing. Yeah. And, and as I'm some, firsthand affected. As, yeah. And as someone like I, I lived through the 08 bubble. I don't really know much about it. I don't know a lot about markets and all this, but it's something I'm interested in and I will be paying attention to this and learning. We'll we'll keep you updated with what we understand, what we know, what we're seeing, what we're hearing. Um, and I know someone who's really looked in, uh, took in a deep dive into the 08 and we could potentially have them on as a guest okay, in the future. Cool. Uh, but that's... One other thing that I do recall now from the video about BlackRock is they also have an audit company. So they will work with the feds and then their own company comes in and audits everything. So they're playing both sides of the... They own their own audit company? Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, there's, um, there's a lot of shady stuff going dirty on. dirty money. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, okay. 
Yeah. Time's out. Time out. Uh, <laughs> big problem there. Yeah. That's a that's wrong. Well, speaking of some other things that are wrong, Nathan. Yeah, really? Uh Nathan found this article. This is uh, actually from the Epic Times. Um but we know that there's also other instances of this as well. Uh from June 12, 2021, Epic Times reports New Hampshire school labels unvaccinated students attending a prom. And like I said, there's other instances of situations like this where people who are unvaccinated have been marked or are being told that they have to be marked or set aside or something different. Now, we're not going to talk about vaccine, COVID, whatever, from any scientific standpoint, if it's good or not. We simply want to address this as there's something frightening about labeling people as the haves and have-nots. Sounds an awful lot like 1941, 1939, 1938 in a specific country in Europe. I think it was, uh, they spoke German. Yeah, uh, that was um, Austria, wasn't it? <laughs> well, you know, France, was uh, <laughs> England, it Switzerland. It was Austria and Germany. At the, yeah, but, uh, but the idea that you can mark a specific class or separate someone by a specific group and treat them differently... It, it creates a caste system and can create persecution. I, I hope it never reaches that levels. But it's, very it's eerily similar to the beginnings of that, where the Jewish star, David, you're a Jew, you're different, we're not going to buy from your shops, we're not going to associate with you. Unfortunately, that snowballed into what we now know as the Holocaust, and we really hope that doesn't happen here. Oh. Um, uh, and, but and th- this is not the first time in the past year that I've seen things going on and said, this seems very familiar. Yeah. Those who do not study and learn from history are doomed, doomed to, to repeat, repeat it. Uh, quick, quickly, though, uh, a little bit from this article. Uh, they say students attending a high school prom in New Hampshire were labeled with a number on their hands to show if they are vaccinated or unvaccinated against the Chinese Communist Party virus, according to reports. Um, it was extra high school on their June 4th prom. Exter, E-X-T-E-R. Yeah. And they were told uh, they had to raise their hands, these ones who had the number, every three songs or so. uh, So uh, Every three songs. So their numbers could be recorded by other underclass students for contact tracing purposes. (laughs) What? Okay, either... Here's my take on this. Either it's safe enough to have the prom and you have it and you enjoy it, or it's not, and you cancel it. But this is just ridiculous. And if you didn't follow it, like if you didn't actually do it, and they caught you, it, it's, it goes on to later say that the, the code was, if you don't follow the guidelines, you'll be kicked out of the prom. They had three separate dance floors. They, incur- they asked that students go from one to the other You know, throughout the night. If you don't, you can be kicked out. I mean, the rules but, were obscene. Why would, why would you go from one to the other? And spread the virus to all three. Like, that doesn't well, make sense. And then, oh, <laughs> get this. This is, this is really, this just gets me. This is actually from their, from their, like, guidebook on the prom, right? It says, students will socially distance during all events at the prom. Okay. All okay. events. All events. Socially Because distance. we are allowing students to dance, it is not the expectation that students will socially distance while dancing. Um, what in the bears world? They just said nothing. They contradicted themselves. At first they say they'll social distance at all events, but they're allowing dancing, so it's not expected that they'll social distance. 
It is suggested that students rotate dance floors in order to avoid close contact with other students. It is essential that students comply with this contact tracing process. Students who do not comply will not be allowed to dance and may be asked to leave the prom early. Well, and they even go on to say, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> like what? it's essential that you comply. That's eerie. That's that's been the the driving factor behind all of this so far. Not for your safe, not not safety. It's comply. That's well, that's the message. They that use is being the guise told. of safety, but ultimately, what they seem to be pushing is that you comply. I I, I recall, I I believe it was three three young men, three strapping young men. Who uh, were told to comply, and when they didn't, um, they 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 found themselves in a very heated situation, shall we say? <laughs> um, who might they be? I I, I haven't a clue. <laughs> However, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's some old anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>, well, <coughs> no. on a similar but different note, um, Nathan, we would like to talk about uh, some states that are taking some proactive measures. Yeah, and and we're seeing, uh, and, and it's more proactive against uh, the ineptitude or in, of the federal gov- government, the the basically just total drop the ball federal government right now that we have. Uh, just take a look at the gas pump if you haven't figured out already that they're inept. Um, it's gone up <coughs> too much, uh, but uh, you're just mad because you're actually commuting to work again. <laughs> well, yeah, but good night. I mean, my groceries have gone up. My oh, gas yeah, has I, gone yeah, up. Yeah, it's yeah. like my my propane for my tank went from ninety nine cents to a dollar like fifty five a, a a per gallon. Everything's it's like gads. I mean, four hundred no, gallon gas. tanks expensive. Gas, not gads. <laughs> uh, so yeah. We wanted to highlight specifically here, um, there's a lot of states, uh, Missouri specifically, um, that have been passing laws to, re- or to um, help me out with the words, wording here, Nathan. Oh, the... That have been passing laws... To, uh, to protect su- life. To, well, uh, I was pro- gonna, un- to, the unborn. To, but. I, I was going with uh, to supersede the government, oh, the federal government's regulations for um, the Second Amendment. Yes, uh, Missouri just, uh, the Missouri governor... Um, Mike Parson just signed, or Parsons, I don't know which it is. He signed a law uh, put through the legislature that basically allows, it, it bans um, or discourages, I think it bans, but federal, or no, state, local, and city, county law enforcement from enforcing federal gun laws, okay? Because the fe- the Second Amendment says shall not be infringed. Okay, so any federal gun law in the state of Missouri's eyes, according to the law, is an infringement. Infringement, right? Okay, I, I unfortunately agree uh, to some degree, and and I understand the unfortunate part is there's some real crazies out there that probably shouldn't have some guns. But how do you do that? I don't know. But then, to long story short, this law also, and this is the part where it will actually be interesting to see, allows for individuals to sue. Um, the law enforcement, local law enforcement or state law enforcement that enforces a federal gun law for up to $50,000. And it, wow. it may go up depending on the violation, right? Um, so it, it's a way to hold these uh, departments accountable so they don't go around enforcing federal gun laws based on whoever controls the police force. Um, and 
it, it in some places it gives the right of it gives the local law enforcement the right to arrest federal law enforcement for in, enforcing federal gun laws. Now, this will be challenged. I have a feeling probably in I'm federal sure. court um, because it it it'd have to be federal. Court. However, I have to say that it it should hold water unless the left wants to give up some of their other points because. They've they, for a while now. They've had these sanctuary cities for illegal immigrants and whatnot. Might these I mention medical or or recreational marijuana? Technically, is still illegal federally. But now, well, what what these states? Because Missouri's not the only one that's done this. They're creating sanctuary cities and sanctuary states for Second Amendment <clears throat> rights. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Because they're saying you, if the federal government is not willing to enforce. The laws in cities where, uh, you know, where sanctuary city for illegal aliens or uh, California, probably sanctuary state. But, you know, then or the marijuana issue, which they have done no enforcement on. No, none. I mean, look at Colorado. I mean, Missouri's got medical marijuana. You look at Arkansas. It's got some stuff. I mean, I'm just saying, take a look around. Almost almost every state has it now, Um, at least in the medical form. Maybe not necessarily recreational, but. It's kind of a joke if it's medical, but the uh, I, saw, I saw a sign on the street corner the other day that said like I oh I keep talking call this uh, call yeah, this one eight hundred number for a doctor to get was, your card. It was <laughs> literally somebody advertising to be able to like yeah here it is medical marijuana card one hundred dollars special and then they have a phone number <laughs> and I bet you could yeah I bet you could yeah but what I'm trying to say is. Federal government's done no crackdown on any of this. And so if federal government's not going to enforce actual laws where they potentially could enforce it, why would they why should we ever think they're going to enforce something they shouldn't based on the Second Amendment that says shall not be infringed? Yeah. This is a direct challenge to the federal government's laws on the books in c- considering uh, the Second Amendment, which could be crazy. I mean, you oh could see gosh. federal gun laws go out the window if oh this passes. Gosh. Now, I think judges will be careful on how they do that. But personally, it should disband all federal gun laws. I, I'm, I'm I, sorry. One thing we witnessed, uh, at least I witnessed in Texas, is when everyone is armed, at least one of the individuals we talked to who's a native Texan, now let's go with that, uh, lived there all their life, was a bar... Uh, bartender everyone at the bar was armed and if you were drunk you never pulled your firearm because you knew even while you were drunk you would die yeah (laughs) i mean there's no like oh well you know that you'd be able to get something you maybe get somebody no you'd die you'd be dead yeah and so if it's mutually assured destruction basically (laughs) everyone's gonna behave now when you know that they're not a vulnerable target and that's really like what the problem has been when you know it's not a vulnerable target, you're not gonna risk your life doing something stupid. And so, by so doing, it you know it does beg the question of do gun laws work that the federal government's been passing? You know, you could get into the question of background checks and all this stuff. So, what we're trying to say is Missouri is actually taking a stand and challenging the federal government on a challenge they failed to meet in the past. We'll see where this goes. I think along those lines, you know, talking about states that are. Um, you know, being proactive and standing up for rights and whatnot. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier um, about Texas. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. <laughs> Texas is actually uh, Governor uh, 
Greg Abbott. Yeah, I want to say Ron DeSantis, but that was wrong. Greg Abbott. Yeah, (laughs) Greg Abbott uh, announced, uh, I believe it was last week, uh, that they are going to be upping their border security and building a part of a wall or barrier, building the rest of the wall because the federal government has failed to protect their border. So Texas had said, "We've had enough. This is a huge problem that you refuse to address. We're going to take care of it ourselves." So they're upping their border security. They're building a wall. They're going to fix the problem. And they're going to deport and or imprison illegal immigrants after they're done being processed by Border Patrol. From what I have read in multiple news sources, that is at least what they're saying they're going to do. Get it. This is going to be challenged in court. But I, I have to say, this sounds like Texas is starting to try to take the role of the federal government. Because the in federal their own government's not... Well, doing their job. What job, right? Yeah. Um, but it does beg the question of, would they ever become their own country? Now, we're not going to go no. down that rabbit hole, but that's a whole podcast in and of itself. Yeah. But if they're taking over their own border and protecting themselves, they're creating a border force. Yeah. They're, they're creating federal government duties for their state. Just, just food for thought. Food for thought. We'll leave it there. Uh, the, the last sanctuary cities we want to talk about, uh, there's actually been a lot of um, states and just cities as well that have been passing um, sanctuary city laws for the unborn. Um, I don't have any of those cities off the top of my head, but the big the big story here around this. Or laws protecting, basically. Yes. I don't know if they call them sanctuary. Well, there's actually a couple oh, that okay. are actual sanctuary cities. Okay, interesting. Um, but the, the big story around this, a uh, few... Actually, I want to say maybe close to a month ago, um, and I don't know specifically what the law is, but there's a law in Mississippi that is being challenged and will be taken to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court accepted to hear it. Regarding um, abortion and their their so-called restrictions. Um, well, and the interesting thing is that law, I do know a little bit, was specifically written in such a way to legally challenge Roe v. Wade. There's a lot of masterminds behind the scenes that have been working on laws like that, well-crafted laws that will be able to challenge Roe v. Wade. So It's unfortunate it took this long for them to get their act together, yeah. but hey, all right, I'll take so, it. <laughs> so that, that's going to the Supreme Court probably not until October, um, from what I've heard. like It sounds like that's when their next session will be and they might hear that. One of the other ones, though. Well, and if we remember, Trump appointed a lot of quasi-conservative oh, judges. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if I'd call them fully conservative. They're not uh, Clarence Thomas. But they are conservative enough where they at least look like they're pro-life based on past rulings. This could get really be, interesting. That's And this is where you know I just want to take a second and encourage everyone to be praying for the Supreme Court. Um, pray that... God would protect them and give them wisdom around this, that they would not be influenced by society or fear or threats. And also that they wouldn't get expanded. Yeah. Because um, I know that's on the, on the table of the Biden administration. But there's also uh, Missouri has in the past, uh, I believe like three or four years, Missouri has passed, I think it's two uh, separate heartbeat bills uh, protecting the unborn after the um, after the heartbeat can be detected, which is about eight weeks, and so one of those laws has actually uh, was challenged in Missouri 
I forget which court did we decide that was. Uh, circuit court circuit, or district yeah. court or something. One of the one of the circuit courts um, actually overturned that. It could be a f- district too. Yeah, one one it it went through. I believe this was like the second appeal, and one of the courts overturned that. Um, and so the Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt is actually going to be taking that to the Supreme Court as well. So that's two cases. Which the Supreme Court might actually combine mm-hmm. into one hearing for both. Uh, they've done that if the issues are similar. So so that's two cases about abortion that will be going before the Supreme Court. And so I think, you know, that sets us up for a new episode, Nathan. Um, not promising that it'll be the next one, but that's something that we've definitely been talking about, something that we're passionate about. Um, you know, a pro-life episode about, you know, what's wrong with abortion? Like, our culture has been fed the lies for so long that so many people don't even realize. Um, so I, we're not going to dive into that topic now. Uh, we've been rambling for long enough. You've gotten uh, plenty of us in this episode, but um, it's it's definitely something we want to discuss um, in the future because uh, honestly, like the the pro-life issue, the issue of abortion, that is the most important um, human rights debate Honestly, of all time. Yeah, and especially of our lifetimes to date. Um, we, I mean, it's killed more people in the United States than COVID has in, or the flu in decades. I mean, it's killed more people than every war that the United States has ever been in, plus the Holocaust combined many times over. Yeah, so don't, so it, it is the pandemic of our day. It, yeah, COVID. COVID be darned like this is this is the preeminent human rights issue because without the right to life none of the rest of your rights matter at all yeah Um, if you don't have the opportunity to make a name for yourself in the world or in your fan with your family um what rights do you have yeah, man, that's that's a bit of a downer note for us to be ending on. Um, <laughs> but it is going before the Supreme Court, and we're looking forward to seeing how they rule. Be praying for them, absolutely, and um, and we'll we'll definitely we, address this. We in the are future. standing in faith that Roe v. Wade will be overturned, that life will you know be victorious once again, that there will not be you know a threat to the unborn lives. So. We're standing in faith. Uh, that'll be exciting to see um, what happens in our lifetimes. Um, not not in our kids' lifetimes, but in ours. That's right, John. And we hope that if you guys have any comments or thoughts on, on what we've talked about in this episode or other issues of the day, feel free to email us at... Media at protonmail.com. And we are also able to be reached at Twitter and on Instagram. You can message us. Um, we, we do follow... Um, we do follow those and make sure that uh, we stay on top of those who are contacting us. Absolutely. And we want to thank you for listening to the Artie Cancel Podcast. Fellas, you have got what appears to be a dynamite sound. I can't believe you've done this. Thank you for your patronage. I'll be back. Oh, that's hot. Not a single thing he said is accurate. Bye!